Hello, 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 everyone. It's Daishi Han Miller, and we're here with episode 115 of Kuden. Uh, as this airs live, it's July 4th of 2022, so it's our Independence Day holiday. And um, I don't want to break stride, because often if I break stride, then people forget, and then, uh, well, anyway, people forget. So, because, you know, I'm weak, and I need validation, you know. Um, anyway, so James is laughing in the background, but. It is what it is, right? So anyway, um, let me tell you a little story here before we get uh, officially started, right? <clears throat> I had a student a bunch of years back, and this happens all the time. So I'm just borrowing a story, right? Um, I asked this individual uh, why he was training, right? I often do this, right? I'll ask people, um, what's the most important thing you think you've learned since you started training? That could be one month in, that could be two months in, that could be six months, six years, whatever, right? Um, you know, questions like, uh, what's one thing you've done to increase your own personal safety since you began training? You know, those kind of things. But anyway, um, this, in this particular individual that I'm talking about had lots of prior martial arts experience, right? He was a high level black belt in at least one other martial art, if not more. And, um, I said, you know, why, why, why ninjutsu, right? You're already very, very accomplished in these other things. Why this martial art, right? And he just kept throwing answers out that had to do with need to protect myself, protect my wife, protect. You can already do that. You already have these skills. Why needed to, right? Well, um, eventually I pissed him off completely. But be between that, right, what he said was, um, you know, no one's going to attack my attack my wife, right? Anybody goes after my wife or somebody that I'm I'm protecting, whatever. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna trash him, right? And I said. Great. Okay. Um, who will protect your wife when you're in the morgue or you're in prison? And of course, I met with silence. Right. And I'm not this is not an anti fighting or whatever. I mean, you know what I teach. Right. But it goes on beyond that. Okay. So we're going to be talking about during this episode. Uh, when I come back, we're going to be launching off with this uh, question that uh, Takamasa-sensei, third, third grandmaster, asked my teacher, Hatsumi-sensei, right, uh, when they first met. And we, we want to explore this a little bit farther, okay? So we're going to go through a couple of our frameworks that we have within the Warrior Concepts uh, system uh, and how I convey things to help students remember and to make sense out of chaos and, you know, those kind of things, right? So we'll talk about that and more when we come back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. Okay, I'm back. Let me ask you a question. What are you preparing to protect yourself against? Right? What specifically? Right? Do you know right now what the attack will be? Where it will come from? Where you will be? Right? Weapons or not? Multiple attackers or one? Or what? Right? What? Do you know? Right. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to answer the question with, a, well, no, of course not. Right. Which is why we're learning a broad base of skills 
right? So that we can handle um, as many different types of attacks or situations or scenarios or whatever as possible, right? And <clears throat> this leads, well, I guess maybe it leads back to a question that Hatsumisate uh, told me. It's actually in some of the writings, too. It's in some of the books, right? Um, when he first met his teacher, Takamasensei, right? This was after decades of training, right? I mean, the guy has the equivalent of uh, black belts, if not just Minkyo Kaiden, right? Full transmission of 100 to 150 different black belts. He started at the age of five with a boken, right? So I love the folks that go, this is not for kids. Okay, fair enough, right? But anyway, right, all of this stuff, right, meets Takamatsu and, you know, is just, you know, is pretty proud of his accomplishments, right? So I do this, I do this, I have this, I mean, whatever, and Takamatsu says, says, well, that's great, right? But can you survive? Which was kind of an odd question, right? Because all the, all the skills... And everything that he listed were about personal protection and being able to, you know, win if, if somebody's coming at me, right? So where the hell is this question coming from, right? Okay, great. You can, all, you can do all those things, but can you survive? And what, really, what it really goes back to, right, is the title of this episode, right? Okay, so you know how to fight, but can you survive? And it threw Hatsumi-sensei, right? And so he ended up asking the question, survive what? And Takamasa-sensei said, whatever you have to survive. I don't know what it might be. Right? Are you prepared to survive anything, whatever might come at you? Right? And so this question and the idea behind it served, the base, served as the basis for my own and a lot of my peers, right, our, our introduction to this art, right? Um, and not just like, here's a technique, right? Learn it, right? Here's the context you're learning it in, right? And then adapting it for somebody bigger, stronger, faster. We're going to change environments, right? So now you have to be able to apply this between parked cars or in, uh, you know, in a space where there's low overhanging kind of things or, Whatever, right? You're wearing different types of clothing, right? Whatever, right? Um, and then, you know, you bring the law involved uh, into it and, or, or workplace policy or whatever, right? So how do I protect myself without losing my job and not being able to support my family? How do I uh, protect myself without going to prison or the morgue or whatever, right? So, again, it formed the foundation of all this, but it was also the reason why we were introduced to Wilderness survival training, urban survival training, uh, uh, you know, communications, spiritual development, personal development kind of things, right? Because survival comes in many forms, right? And if we want to, if we really want to take a look at these things, right? Look at any aspect of our lives, okay? What might you have to survive, okay? And a lot of these things, unless you've been through them, it might not make any sense, okay? But personally in my life, right, I have survived bankruptcy. I have survived divorce multiple times. I've survived losing my children, right? Um, not, not 
legally or because I did anything, you know, criminal or anything like that. But um, the other person manipulated the court system. And I went from having joint custody of my children to having to see them when I could see them. Okay. So, uh, you know, financial relationship, whatever, right. Uh, you know, uh, surviving, uh, emergencies, uh, uh weather based kind of things. Uh, I have a, f- a friend and a former student who lives in Arkansas that because they live right there on the edge of tornado alley, basically, right. Every year, right. He's traveling to either another part of his state or into Missouri or places like that as a part of an emergency response crew to help dig people out or look for bodies or whatever needs to be done to save lives, right? To protect lives. I've got other friends. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my, uh, one of my teachers, uh, here in the U.S., when 9-11 happened, right? The day after the buildings collapsed, right? He was in New York City helping to move rubble to look for bodies. Okay. Those kind of things, right? Now, was he there? No. I do have one student who was, he worked, um, a block and a half, two and a half blocks, something like that. Now, New York City blocks are pretty big, but block and a half, two and a half blocks from ground zero, right? And was supposed to be at an appointment in the towers meeting with a client when everything happened and was running late. Okay. So there's a luck thing, right? Um, you know, but can you, right? Uh, in the military, I found myself on a little tiny island uh, just you know, near Cuba, between Florida and Cuba, that we were sent down to rescue medical students. And the entire, like the size of this island, right, the entire perimeter of this island could be sat down inside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right? So not that big, right? No place to go, right? There is no retreat, right? There is no place to go when bad things start to happen. Right. So, um, you know, what was in front of me was a big old mountain, but flanked either side. St. George's, the capital was in one direction, but between me and them, right, was nothing but jungle. Right. In the other direction between us and an airstrip. Right. That uh, uh, a country who was trying to maneuver things to get close enough to uh, send some missiles and things like that toward the U.S. in the 80s. they had started and we were taking over, right? Um, <clears throat> between us and them, nothing but jungle, right? And behind us, right? Because we took over this this hotel that had been bombed out during uh, the invasion. And uh, that was our headquarters, right? We slept in these, you know, rickety rooms and things like that, right? Um, but what was what was on the other side of that between us and nowhere was the ocean, right? So... Can you survive? Right. I don't know what in my future I might have to survive again, which is why I continue to study. Right. Not just have this rank or whatever, which reminds me, uh, James, we had a question to come in from somebody about that whole Shihan, Dai Shihan kind of thing. And I want to make sure that I answer that because uh, that was a really, really good question. Uh, and, and I've addressed the Shihan thing in the past and the key thing in the question, but they probably missed it, and I, I want to make sure that I cover it. So don't let me forget that before we wrap everything up. 
Go ahead. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, the point here is about survival, right? This is not about points, right? This is not about just whipping somebody's ass, right? Because you got the skills to do that, right? Which is why we're practicing ninjutsu. Well, why we should be practicing ninjutsu as opposed to just doing warriorship, right? And I can understand why people would say that they're practicing budo taijutsu, right? Or bujinkan taijutsu or whatever, as opposed to saying that they're practicing ninjutsu or they're practicing togakureryu ninjutsu and the other related lesser known uh, eight martial arts that came along with it as a package. I can, I can understand that, right? Because if, they're, if their focus is on personal combat being that kind of overt warrior, right? Whoop ass, take names, and don't think about anything afterwards because, you know, it's just all that matters is winning. I can see where that would be their focus, right? But if we're focusing on working our will without action and understanding that this is about survival and not about walking around pounding on our chest because we're the biggest dog on the block, then there's something very, very different going on, right? Um, the number of people, as a matter of fact, it just happened again. James, I don't know if you saw that in the emails. Uh, somebody had written me an email about wanting to train, but they're unemployed, have no money, all that kind of stuff. My advice to them is going to be get a job, get things in order, right? Handle life and then, you know, proceed from there. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciate that they really, really, really want to train with me. Uh, I get it that, you know, they want to eventually be a teacher and have their own school and all that. Um, but, you know, hierarchy of needs. <laughs> right. I mean, um, you know, I, I can't I can't do good in the world if I'm not in the world, if I don't have a solid foundation. Right. Because the martial arts is rife or the martial arts are rife with instructors and whatever right that you know they're in control within the four walls and the floor and ceiling of this thing they call a dojo or in the park or whatever right but <clears throat> they've got no other power in their lives a lot of these people they don't like their family they hate their wife they don't like the job they have if they have one right some of them are barely scraping by to pay the bills or, or have a you know cup of noodles Right. A couple of times a day or whatever. And I'm not knocking any of those things, but they're teaching people to be powerful. They're people teaching people to stay in the world. Right. All of the martial arts teachers that I've ever trained. Well, I'll take that back. <laughs> There's been one or two. Right. But all the ones that I've chosen to train with and develop a deep bond with taught me more than just self-defense. Right. Uh, and I know we mentioned this. Uh, I don't I don't know what episode, uh, but we've mentioned this along the way. Right. Um, I, I, I have made arrangements with native Japanese uh, people to tutor me in Japanese. OK. And I'm, I'm very fortunate <clears throat> that I was born into and have for most of my life, except my military career, um, lived in and around uh, the state of Pennsylvania here in the United States. And Pennsylvania within the United States, right, is the university college capital of the United States. Right? We have more universities and more 
uh, colleges, whether they're two year, uh, you know, whatever, right, uh, than any other state in the union, right? Unless somebody surpassed that in the last two years, um, and I find that difficult to believe given COVID, right? Um, and I'm not talking about the online ones or whatever, because University of Phoenix that now puts them everywhere and whatever. I'm talking about actual sneakers on the ground, students in in classes and all that, right? So, <clears throat> um, the the fortunate part of that is that a lot of these university professors somehow along the line married a Japanese woman or, you know, husband, whatever, right? They married a native Japanese speaker. And I found a couple of these folks, right, either by design or by accident, who were willing to tutor me, right? So once or twice a week, and uh, they were willing to come into the dojo. So in between classes, when somebody else was teaching, or I had downtime, they would come in, right, uh, pay them whatever they wanted for that hour, right, and I would work with that kind of thing, right. And um, uh, I was I was uh, working with one. She's very, very good. Um, and instead of just teaching me like word substitution and the same stuff everybody else taught. Uh, I told her what my goal was. My goal was to be able to speak and communicate as close to being a native Japanese person as possible, which means I knew that I needed to understand social and cultural kind of things, right? Because they become reference points, right? Here in the States, you know, if somebody's kind of a aimless wanderer, maybe they have a goal, but they're just kind of all over the place and whatnot. Um, we might call them a Johnny Appleseed, right? If you know the story, right? Roamed all over the place, planting apple seeds and whatever, just because he liked freaking apples and stuff. To, on the Mandala, he'd be like a wind character, right? Or if somebody's just like super, super smart, we might say, oh, man, real Einstein, right? And so we don't have to explain what that means, right? Or uh, for the older folks who know what I'm talking about, we could say that, uh, you know, somebody's, uh, if, if they're if they're able to, uh be very, very creative in coming up with uh, solving problems uh, when, thing, when things are really, really bad, right? We could say, man, think like James Bond or they're, they're such a MacGyver, that kind of thing, right? So people start to get it, right? They, they understand what you're talking about, right? Um, I don't have as many of those for Japanese culture, society, that kind of thing, right? So, you know, she said, you're never going to be completely there because this is this is – this is, these are your reference points, right? You'll understand more and more reference points, but it's not going to be the same because you weren't born into that and it didn't come in directly, indirectly, whatever. And I get that, right? But the cool thing was that she taught me, instead of just saying things that a Japanese person would accept and could understand, she would often say, yeah, see, I understand what you're saying, and a Japanese person typically would, would understand what you're saying. Because you're a foreigner, but that's not the way a Japanese person would say it because that's not how we think, right? And an example of that is like going home, right? If you're leaving the dojo and you go uh, and somebody says, hey, you know, um, uh, you want to hang out or, you know, uh, what are you doing now? And you might just say, eh, going home, okay? Um, so the way I would structure that sentence, right, using uh, – 
she must, right, to go, right, um, <clears throat> would be technically correct, which is good enough for most Americans, right? Just not good enough for me because I don't want to be technically correct, right? I want to communicate as quickly as possible with that person so they don't have to do extra mental gymnastics to figure things out, right? So what she always taught me was that uh, Japanese people don't go home, right? They return home, right? Sometimes they go to the office, but typically they return to the office as well because these are, these are like home bases for them. So you go out from that thing and then you return back. Right. And ultimately, no matter what office or whatever, right, you're always returning home. Right. So that was a whole other word. Right. And so I had to structure things around because what what she would do is give me some vocabulary. And then over the course of the next like half a week or a week, I would have to come up with 10 or 20 sentences using those things, just like we did in school. Right. And that's how these kind of things surfaced. Right. I would write, uh, you know, I'm leaving the dojo and I'm going home. And ah, see, now a lesson can come up. Right. That kind of thing. OK, so uh, and this is this is one of those things where, uh, you know, for, for my entire training career. Right. My martial arts teacher was a sensei. Right. So, you know, and in our art, we call Hatsumi sensei, Takamas sensei, whatever. Very often I do this as an expedient because it's what everybody else uses. And I've gotten into a couple of little, they weren't disagreements. Yeah, well, yeah, they were low level disagreements. But I would point this new piece of information out based on the way Japanese people think. And all of my Western friends that, you know, weren't really open to the idea because they already knew what they were talking about. Right. Just go, well, everybody says that. Everybody says sensei. So, you know, that and he just hasn't told us not to. So, well, see, here goes that honorific thing. And this is going to lead into answering that question um, that was sent in. So I want, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) asthma. I wanted to send a letter to Hatsumi sensei, but instead of sending it in English where one of the helpers around the office could translate it. Right. Um, although between you and I, I don't think Hatsumi sensei needed that much translation because before everything went super massive in the early to mid eighties, Hatsumi sensei spoke pretty good English. So um, I find it very difficult to believe that like a next day or a next seminar is like, okay. <laughs> uh, no speaking, whatever. Right. So, um, uh, so I'm writing this letter and I didn't even get to the first part. Right. You know, it was like, yeah, I don't, I, cause my thing was my, my hang up was how do Japanese introduce a letter? Right. Do they say dear sensei? Do they just say sensei? Do they, you know, whatever. Right. I don't know that I ever got that question answered because sensei is what got pinned because she and I had had these discussions about my training, what I'm learning, this guy, you know, whatever. Right. And she goes, I don't I don't think sensei is the right the right word. No, no, no. no. Yeah. We, we all say sensei. Right. So we call Hatsumi sensei. He's the grandmaster. But we everybody says sensei, sensei's teacher. Yes. Yeah, but sensei means teacher. It could be a school teacher. It could be somebody who's helping you learn something, uh, whether they're formally titled teacher or not. It's not just martial arts, right? So, but you told me that, like, he teaches philosophy and life lessons and, and all those kind of things. Yes. See, not sensei. Shiso. Shiso. 
It's a completely different word, right? And then she proceeded to explain, right? She so she so is a teacher, but it's a teacher of life. It's a teacher. Uh, it's almost like a mentor, right? That is helping you be able to do more, right? Be more, uh, you know. Live to your potential, all those kind of things, right? It's a, it's almost like a father, right? And Hudson has made these made these references in the past uh, that there's three levels to this idea of of connection or love or bonding or whatever, right? The Japanese have this saying that um, child's relationship with their parent or parent child relationship is the first level, and the husband wife or intimate partner relationship is a second level, but the teacher student bond is a third level right now, I, I think i talked about that in a recent uh, episode so i'm not going to dive into that but there are all these kind of things that came together right but the idea was not sensei right shiso includes the concept of sensei but also includes the concepts of fatherhood you know fatherhood is in like tip of the boot love kind of thing right um also includes um, uh, mentorship and guidance and, and all that stuff, right? So it's not this, it's part of it's the same, but it's an entire, in its entirety, it's not the same. Okay. So it was these kind of things, right? And it's those lessons, right? If you have, if you have any of the books by Hatsumi Sete, right? Any of the books and you, you read through these, right? And, and I know I know people that will just skip to the technique section, right? Technique one, technique two. Ooh, look at that one. Ooh, whatever, right? And just to have their little moments, right? Um, or they'll jump to the meditation section, or they'll, you know, whatever, right? And they'll skip over history, or they'll skip over this story about Takamatsu and this little incident. Or when they read it, it's this neat little curiosity, like, ooh, look what I'm learning that I can re- repeat back to other people and sound like. I know, but they're not really pulling the lesson out, right? Not really pulling the lesson out that is directed to what their training should be like, okay? Like Takamasa Sensei, right? Nickname is a, is a child, crybaby, okay? Got ridden around like a horse in the schoolyard by the other kids, crying his eyes out, right? Eventually goes to grandpa's dojo. And for the first year, the only training he did was, was, uh, uh, ukemi, right? Because grandpa would just grab him and throw him, push him, shove him, knock him down, whatever, until eventually he got to a point where you're not going to break it. Okay. So then, right, you can move on from there because self-defense is over at that point, right? If somebody can shove and throw you around and whatnot and they can't hurt you, then that's isn't isn't that self-defense the way most people think right this guy's trying to beat me or break me or whatever but if he can't right which is why my first level students right we have this saying for them your first goal is not black belt or your next belt color or whatever okay your first goal is to live to the live to the uh the goal that if he can't hit me he can't hurt me and if he can't hurt me he can't beat me but that also extends to even if he knocks me down he can't hurt me. If he can't hurt me, he can't beat me. Right? So what else is there? Right? And while we could break all these things down, we could 
We could look at the nine initial steps to effective survival that I give people, nine initial steps to effective uh, uh, first aid that we give people, uh, meditation, all kinds of things, right? Um, what I thought would be, would be cool is if we just take a look at the eight phases of effective self-defense strategy that we give everyone, that is both a, a sliding scale, like through increasing danger to danger transmuting into something else, right? Um, but then it's also a guide for our training because one, we need to understand that every phase, right? If we, if that's where we're entering, where the danger is, right? That phase needs to have a broad skill set, right? But that phase, if we do it right, it prevents the danger from escalating, okay? And I don't know if I feel bad for folks that, that think this way or not, but um, I mean, some people train and, and it's not their fault, right? They, they have been introduced to martial arts and self-defense from the perspective of here comes the punch. Okay. So, you know, you got to start learning, you know, to duke it out right away. But what about if I saw it coming and the guy's still like, you know, a block and a half away? Why the hell would I stand there? Right. And to understand the difference between an attacker choosing you as an opportunity, right, among how many ever other targets, right, they could have chosen. You're just, you're just somebody that they cut from the herd, right? That's a whole different ball of wax, so to speak, right, than somebody specifically targeting you. Oh, the danger scale just goes through the frickin' roof. Because if somebody's specifically targeting you, that becomes really, really, really difficult to defend against. Not impossible, but man, it's a whole lot easier than if Joe Jackwagon looking to mug somebody to pull whatever money or whatever they can pull out of their wallet, right? That's um, completely different, right? He just happens to pick me, which would be funny, but either way, right? Um, because, and my students know this, right? The joke in the dojo is, I don't get free lessons. So if somebody jumps me, I'm taking their wallet, pulling 20 bucks out of their wallet, because I don't take, I don't get free lessons. So, um, and there's that. And if he doesn't have 20 bucks, I don't know, take something. Which would be pretty freaking funny, don't you think? For, for a mugger to tell the cops, dude, I jumped this guy and like he robbed me. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Anyway. All right. So um, so I, I thought I'd take a, a, a walk through this thing. Some of you may have been exposed to something like this because one of my first teachers, well, actually my first teacher in this art, right, Stephen Hayes, who has the Toshindo uh, program now and all that, right, I was with him for, holy shit, about 20 years. Right. Almost 20 years. And so, you know, lots of training through his Kasumian program and all that. Um, <clears throat> and we developed these frameworks because I was in I was in, in the instructors guild, uh, the Marisha Kai instructors guild. Um, so we had you know, we were always trying to come up with ways to help students learn quicker, faster, easier, that kind of thing. Not that not that this stuff is easy, but 
how do we make the learning curve better, right? How do we improve it so it doesn't take them as long as it took us to get from point A to point B? Some things just take time, but what we're trying to do is is help to make this this work. And then the self-protection side of things, you know, that's where we came up with like the five D's, which actually didn't start out as the five D's. They were these five phases, but they weren't called five D's. It wasn't until like the second or third iteration that we came up with. So one of the guys in the group came up with these five D's that fit. And we're like, oh, shit, good idea. You know, whatever. Right. But if um, if you've been in that group or I, I know people, you know, jump around from teacher to teacher or whatever, especially the ones that are surfing around the Internet trying to find all the free shit they can find um, to load up their hard drive. That was me getting a drink for those of you listening audio only. I wasn't making a dramatic pause to let that sink in and punch people in the face that actually do it. But um, I don't know why James is laughing in the background. You guys can't see it, but that's pretty funny. But anyway, um, so um, you might have been exposed to this as a six phases model. Okay. But because of my experience as a police officer, bodyguard, that kind of thing, right, I had to really take a look at things. And and I had to I had to make some some upgrades to it. OK, because the, the six phases runs out at physical self-defense. But my experience in the world and my reality and those of my peers who are doing this uh, included this reality that the fight ain't necessarily over just because the fight's over. Okay. And that's why there's two additional uh, phases to this now, because we have eight phases, right? So the first six are by pretty pretty much the same. But again, my experience and all that has, has kind of fleshed them out more and uh, made sure that there's, there's lots of training in there, okay? So in this eight phases, um, in the corporate world, I call it my PX8 system, right? Um, because P, the P stands for phases, right? And then... The X is at times, right? So there's eight phases. And so it's just translated a little bit differently for them, but it's still the exact same thing, right? The kotsu, the essential nature, is exactly the same, okay? But I want my students very early on to have this framework that shows them, right, that, one, I'm going to do everything in my power Unless this guy jumps me and I'm in physical survival mode from the get-go, I'm going to do everything I can to get to, to get to phase six, which is physical self-defense. Because that's the realm that no matter how freaking good you are, right, that's the greatest chance for something to go wrong, right? Think about it. How many martial artists or self-defense guys or, you know, fighters, tough guys, whatever, right? whether they wore a badge or not, were in one of the Twin Towers on 9-11. Who's asking you kicking when a building falls out from under you? Okay, Same thing, uh, you know, traveling, transportation. The plane you're on falls out of the sky. The train you're on derails, whatever, right? Um, what good is the 52 kata and the three chokeholds and the 17 throws that you know going to do for you when you're fighting for at least partial custody of your children going through a divorce. Those kind of things, right? What the hell? 
right? So, um, so on, on one end, right, we're going to have as many options as possible to be able to use to keep from getting to phase six, okay? Because it, phase six, physical self-defense, right? I mean, it's what we're all training for, right, Sensei? It is if we end, if we end up there. But why would you not have a shit ton of skills to make things go away before you had to get there? See, here's the other thing that goes wrong, right? You wipe the floor with the guy's ass. Other people watched or you didn't kill him. This is in ancient Japan, right? And then the next time you get jumped, it's by somebody or him that now know what your, what your style or your, 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 preferential moves are and all that right so now what now you got a harder fight okay now the situation's worse okay and it just gets worse and worse and worse right so we got that right but i needed to make sure that students understood that just because the physical fight is over doesn't mean your survival uh situation that, that it's over right so what we're going to do is we're going to go down through these eight. <clears throat> and James, don't let me forget to come back to that, that Dai Shihan kind of thing, because it's, it's related to the Sensei Shiho, uh, Shiso uh, kind of thing, right? So anyway, do we have any, any questions? Who's, who's signed in? I see numbers going up and down and all that. Anybody, anybody say anything? No questions? Okay, cool. All right. So James is being super lurker ninja in the back at the moment, right? Anyway, so <clears throat> all right, eight phases, okay? Phase one is general awareness. This is not the same awareness that we, that we, that everybody's walking around like, oh, well, I get it. Awareness, right? Just, you know, pay attention, right? Know what's going on around you. No. No, this is before that. Okay. And besides that, I'm going to ask you a question when I get back to that one. Okay. General awareness is everything from, I, I know that danger exists in the world and it can touch me or somebody that I care about or have made myself responsible for protecting. Now, all of you would go, well, duh, right? Because you wouldn't be here if you didn't recognize that, right? So in this context, I'm singing to the choir. But when I do a presentation at a conference, things can change, okay? You, you know, you get a phone call after the conference because, you know, they went back to their, their office, had a little meeting and went, holy shit, we thought we had our shit together. And we had no clue. Call him, schedule a meeting. We, we, we need to do something, right? So it's a danger exists in the world. <clears throat> but more specifically, what? What types of danger can touch you? In the context of our program, what we're looking at first is what are the most common, statistically proven, what are the most common attacks that could, that could occur to my students not only in this country, but in this region, because sometimes attacks change. And we, you know, we listen for the news and all that, right? Because certain types of things happen and it's this thing that is going on, right? So we make sure that we do a workshop or we do something in class to make sure that, right, we're addressing this little nuance, this little shift or change, right? But what is most likely to happen, right? So, you know, for our guys, jabs, hook punches, uppercuts, right? Single hand, double handed grabs, chokes, bear hugs, whatever, wrestling you to the ground, that kind of stuff, right? Um, 
beginners typically don't get defenses against knives and all that because um, it's not the same. I don't care what anybody says. You can defend against a punch. You can defend against a knife. Bullshit. Right? You can defend against one guy, two guys, just twice as hard. No, it isn't. It's at least four times as hard. Right? Because you're not controlling one psychology. Right? There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. <clears throat> but anyway. Right? So what specifically? And then if you're like me and my wife or just me, right? I go to, uh, I'm, I'm hired by somebody or, you know, I find myself in another part of the country or I travel, right? Sometimes it's by car, sometimes it's by plane, whatever, right? So what kind of other survival or situations could I run into, right? Somebody starts to go ape shit on a freaking plane or a train or, uh, you know, whatever, right? And I'm, we're in tight quarters and stuff like that, right? Now what? Okay. Um, whatever. What kind of, what kind of situations? If I travel, my wife and I travel all the time, right? So we, we go someplace and right. What, what are the typical, typical types of attacks there, right? How to pickpockets and, and, uh, thieves operate, you know, those kind of things, right? So I need to know those things, right? So we start students off with the most, most likely, right? Anything's possible. What, but what are the most probable attacks, right? Rear choke from behind, bear hugs because somebody else might be picking your pockets or, uh, you know, different types of punches, grabs. My hands could be in different places. They could grab one or both or same thing with the jacket or the, the, the clothing, run hand, two hand grabs, that kind of stuff, right? We need to get that shit out of the way right off the bat, right? And knowing that of all the attacks that occur, 95 to 98%, right, are easily handled by, 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 did you get all that? By what we consider to be basics, okay? So I need to make sure that people get a couple of options for handling each of these things so they at least go from toddler youth kind of level to at least teenager level, adolescent, Right. If you think about teenagers, right, the reason they think they freaking know everything is because they've got one or two answers for handling most of the stuff that happens to them every day. And they confuse that with I got an answer for everything, no matter what happens in the world. Right. And that's why adults either get aggravated and grind our molars down or laugh at them because <laughs> you Okay. You can, you can handle the baby stuff, right? Great. You can make yourself a bowl of cereal, right? Yeah. Make Thanksgiving dinner for us. Okay. On time in one day, right? And not kill us. Okay. That kind of thing, right? So let's not confuse. Well, I can fry an egg. Yeah, I know, but you can't open a freaking can with a can over, a can opener, uh, because it didn't come with a pull top, right? You ever see that kind of thing with the teenagers now, right? Toss them a manual can opener and a can with no pull top, right? It's like a monkey in a freaking cage. It's amazing stuff, right? So, but I blame parents and teachers and stuff for that because they just keep getting them, giving them easier and easier shit because it's easy on them, right? I don't have to teach him how to tie their shoes. You know, he complains. He's, you know, I tried once and he bitched and complained and all that. So I just get him Velcro or slip-ons. Okay, great. And now what if he needs it? Like he joins my school and we give him a uniform where he's got to do that tie twice just to hold the jacket in place. He'll cheat like some people and not tie it and just use the belt, right? Because, well, now he has to tie the belt. Well, shit, that's a different knot, right? 
either way, right? <clears throat> so what am I most likely to handle? I need to start there first, right? Sorry, guys, traditionalist. Not with Sanchi no Kata. Not with, not with uh, Kiona Po. Right? Things like it, right, that will in, allow them to handle things, right, that are ninja-like, Bujinkan-like, that kind of thing, right? But holy shit, the amount of time it could take them to learn those things, which are not going to be street-ready just because they learned them, right? Meanwhile, back at the freaking dojo or the ranch or whatever, they still don't know how to handle a basic mugging. Or somebody that just out of anger just throws a punch at their face kind of thing, right? Um, and knows how to get off at the right angle, the correct angle, because they've only ever been defending its ski. Because that's how we do it. Really? Just because that's how we do it, does that mean that that's how the guy on the street's going to do it? No. Okay? Either way, general awareness, right? What What's the problem that needs to be solved, right? Because our martial arts training or our meditation, or whatever we're learning, right? We have to see that from the perspective of this is problem solving. This is just, it's, this is conflict resolution and it's problem solving, okay? What's the problem? How the hell do you solve a problem that you don't know what the problem is? Well, you do is just send a bunch of bullets downrange and hope that something hits. Oh, great. Reminds me of two three-year-olds in a sandbox, right? Slap fighting each other, right? So um, that's the first part, right? Then we can move to situational awareness, right? Situational awareness. Yeah, this is paying attention to what's going on. Here's a question. What am I looking for? Well, anything out of the ordinary. How the hell do I know what the ordinary is? Right? Because it's just not one thing, right? I go into, I go into uh, one store. They're a high-end store or whatever, not very busy at all. The music is, is you know, I, I call it elevator music, right? Very passive, very calming, that kind of thing, right? Um, only a few people in there milling around. Noise level is really low, right? I go into another, shore, another store, right? Um, my, my girls used to like to go into a store called Hot Topic, right? Oh, freaking music's loud. Everybody's dressed in goth clothing, right? There's all kinds of anime characters and whatnot. And the place is just freaking packed, right? And, you know, the, you might have a couple of kids in there pushing and shoving or whatever, right? And it's that's still completely normal, right? What's the baseline, right? What kind of skills do I have that when I go into a place, I can identify the baseline, but I can also identify potential egresses for for attackers coming in, but also potential exit routes or cover or whatever for me. How am I getting my family out? Those kind of things, right? So situational awareness. What am I looking for? Body language cues, facial microexpressions, right? What are the what are the clues that somebody gives off when they're looking for trouble? What is a human being? Um, what kind of things happen when they're signaling that they're about to go physical? Those kind of things, right? Situational awareness. Right? When I pull up, a, pull up at a stop sign, what am I looking for? What am I looking at? Okay? I don't want to be hypervigilant, which means I'm just going to be freaking super paranoid right? and watching for things where they probably don't exist. But at the same time, I don't want to just be working a little framework and barely paying attention just because I did the kata. Step one, step two, step three. Success. I did it. 
Yeah. Okay. What does that mean? Okay. So, but situational awareness is what keys us into impending danger as far away from me as possible in time or in space. And then that starts to lead to other options, depending on, again, distance, right? So if you, if you look at the eight phases, we're going from no danger at all, right? General awareness is no danger, right? You're in the dojo. You're in the safety of your own home. You're thinking about what types of things do I need to work with? What kind of skills do I need to be practicing or your training or whatever, right? I'm researching uh, different styles or uh, I might be watching uh, YouTube videos about, you know, different uh, fighters and different styles and, and how these people, how their body moves and how they, you know, throw kicks or, right, that kind of stuff, right? No danger, right? To situational awareness where I'm not expecting danger. I'm not, right? But I'm keyed in. The amygdala is working, right? Watching for things, right? Establishing baselines, assessing my situation, right? Also, Situational awareness is also assessing me today at this point in the day, stressed, tired, whatever, right? Kind of foggy brained. The other day I had one of these, right? It was just one of those days where I came out of one where I was working really, really, really hard, hit another one where I'm trying to do it. And I just, certain things were just misfiring every once in a while. And <clears throat> part of me knew, look, I got to get this finished. Okay, might take me longer. Another part was thinking, if this were ancient Japan, I'd have stayed the hell home today. Right? So, or if I was on a bodyguard team, I'm calling off because I'm going to be a liability to myself or others. I need to know what's going on in here too. Right? That also need I need to know whether I have an anger management problem. Right? Somebody calls my mom a name, I immediately flare. Right? Shit. My third degree and above students. If, if we know that that's your hot button, we'll call your mom a name, okay? Because that's going to get you to drop your style and your coolness and gives us more control. And if you don't think that bad guys think that way, especially the closer to you that they get, may I suggest that you change the way you think. <laughs> your belief system is skewed, right? All right. <clears throat> so danger starts to escalate, right? So situational awareness. I start to realize, mm, or I go in there, my spidey senses start to kick in or whatever, right? I, I want to get out of there, right? So phase three is escaping to safety, right? So everything from, from uh, escape routes and being able to recognize them when you go into a place, right, to establishing the ones in your own workspace or home, right, to um, recognizing that I may not be able to physically escape but I can escape from his detection, right? So invisibility techniques, right? Hiding, right? Stealth, those kind of things, right? So if I can't physically get out, how do I, right? Now, again, if we shift this out of the physical, I'm going to be punched in the face or stabbed in the throat by some jack wagon, right? And I go to a 9-11 kind of situation, right? Okay. Escape routes might be what we call triangles of... um or pyramids of, uh, of safety, right? And that's what that has to do with it in, a, in a collapsing structure, right? Nothing comes down in just pancakes, right? We're not in an Indiana Jones movie where the ceiling comes down and pancakes the floor, right? Things break and crumble and whatnot, and you end up with this lean-to effect, right? 
debris will come down on solid objects. And sometimes things are more solid than you give them credit for, like like a like a filing cabinet full of paper, right? Paper is amazingly strong, right? Especially you got all this stuff together, right? Comes down and hits it, right? And then creates this lean-to. And then as more things fall on top of that, you end up with this igloo or, or fortified lean-to kind of thing, right? Is it a guarantee? Nothing's a guarantee, right? If that bothers you, sorry. Anyway, if life itself is not a guarantee, right? We're all dying to get out. Anyway, so um, what I need to do is be able to know where the load-bearing walls, where these places are and stuff like that. So if shit happens, I can throw myself up against one of these things flat on the ground, right up against it. So as shit falls down, I have a really good chance of surviving. Still might not. But if I don't know that, then I have zero chance of surviving. Unless there's luck, right? But I'd say who wants to bet on luck, but how many people play the lottery without playing the lottery? They play the lottery all freaking day long. Okay? So escaping to safety, right? But what if I can't, right? This I, I can't get out. The guy's right there, right? If he's not already throwing shit, I still have a chance, right? So we have two de-escalation stages, right? Yeah, but what if it doesn't work? That's why we have the next fucking stages. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say fuck. Sorry. Anyway, right? So, right? So you can't escape to safety. He's there, right? So the first thing we're going to try are distraction tactics, right? Distraction tactics have one really important piece to them, one really important element. Because some people, they don't know the difference between distraction tactics and dissuasion tactics, right? Distraction tactics do things in a way to get him to take his attention off of you or off of you as a target or to make him think that you're not paying attention because in in the in phase four, in the distraction phase, de-escalation one, we're not even going to acknowledge that we think we're in danger, right? Somebody comes up, maybe pushes on my arm or whatever, and I look at him and go, oh, hold on a second. I look at my watch and I walk off, right? Now, I'm not going to take my attention off of him, but I, I look like, oh, shit, I forgot something. Hold on, I'll be right back. And I walk away, Right? This happens to people all the time. It happens to us, right? You ever been talking to somebody for a couple of minutes and all of a sudden they like shake their head and, and blink their eyeballs and they go, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Right? But the whole time you were talking, they were nodding. But in their head, they were not fucking paying attention at all. Right? Not like anybody pays attention anyway. Most people, while their other person is talking, they're thinking about what they're going to say when this person shuts up. Right? They're not really listening. Right? But... In distraction tactics, I'm doing things to move his mind. This is psychological warfare 101. Right? How do I do this? Right? So there's a whole skill set in there, right? What if that doesn't work, right? What if this guy, you know, I start to walk away, grabs me, spins me around, sticks his finger in my chest and lets me know in no uncertain terms he's going to, you know, knock my teeth down my throat. Okay? So now I can't say something like, oh, shit, that's going to hurt or whatever, and use humor to make him laugh, right? Maybe take his attention off of things, right? But now we move into phase five, de-escalation two, which is dissuasion. So at this point, I let him know. He knows. I know this is about to go physical, right? So I've got one more opportunity before it goes physical. And so what I'm going to do 
is let him know that, look, dude, you may win, but you're going to remember me for the rest of your friggin' life. Okay? So how about if we just call it a day, man? Here's five bucks. Buy yourself a beer or whatever, and whatever. We can both go home. Cops don't get called, whatever. It's a good day, right? That's needed to. Okay? That's not the, I have been challenged, so I must see if my dragon hand will defeat your tiger tooth or, you know, whatever your style is, right? So your monkey hand or whatever, right? Fling poo, kung poo, whatever, right? So, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> dumbass Hong Kong, Hong Kong uh, 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 martial arts movie industry where it was based on a type of uh, dance and theatrics, right? Um, not... <laughs> the way people lived kind of anyway so here's here's this last ditch opportunity to to shut this down right for my corporate clients or even for for us right this is the point where i might i might go and i might have already done it right dude i've already died not died, dialed 911 cops have heard everything they're on their way right or security shows up or whatever that's a huge dissuasion, de-escalation kind of thing, right? Okay. If it doesn't, we we move right into phase six. I'm going to have to do whatever I can do physically to protect myself, to protect others, to not let this person break me and, and resolve the situation, right? So that's it, right? It's all done. No, no. I've said this over and over and over again. Every attack has at least three attackers, right? Has at least three. And I don't mean the three guys that are coming at you. It could just be one guy. I mean, attacker number one is the person or persons trying to beat, break, or kill you. Attacker number two could be you. Shame, guilt, the trauma you're experiencing because you never watched the light of consciousness fade from somebody's eyes. You never watched their wife or child scream. Because you were you're putting cuffs on somebody or you had to drop them to neutralize the threat that was coming at you and they come rushing in and now you've got to deal with that or whatever. Right. Uh, the look in uh, a family member's face. Okay, right? I'll tell you how I know these things. Just trust me that I know them. Look in a family member's face who has always felt safe because they knew that you could protect them. And then you had to do something and they saw it happen and they saw this side of you that they knew was there, but in reality, they never wanted to see it. And when they did, your relationship with that person is forever different if it still exists at all. Okay, Those kind of things. Right. So this is phase seven. Right. Post incident recovery, post traumatic recovery, whatever you want to call that. OK, where. It's a different attacker. Right. It's something different that you need to survive. Okay, And even if you're the coldest assassin in the world and you can handle this stuff and whatever, because, you know, everybody's got their logic like I call it the. Uh, the kitchen table logic, right? 
sitting around the table. Everybody's discussing, you know, how they would solve the problems of the world or how they'd whoop that guy's ass who raped that girl or whatever. Right. In reality, they've never been inside that bubble of violence. And, um, you know, so anyway. No skin in the game. Anyway, so that's phase seven. Phase eight. Shit. Phase eight is defending your against, defending yourself against the legal system. Because even if you do anything right, even if you're justified, you could have a DA, you could have a cop that shows up on the scene or whatever, that whatever they're seeing, whatever evidence they're collecting, whatever others, other people are telling them, right? <clears throat> Shit could go wrong, right? The very system that's supposed to be in place to protect us could backfire on you which means that the skill sets we have to have there involve everything from how you, uh, how you articulate, right? That what you did was the minimum necessary to affect things. So you stay within the self-defense doctrine, right? How you do things during the self-defense action, right? That are controlling the perceptions of the witnesses who, if not all of them, almost all of them have fucking cameras up. So you can't say that you did one thing or said one thing or whatever because they all got it and it's going to be on CNN and Fox in 30 minutes at the outside. And it's going to be on Facebook and it's going to be everywhere. So if you ever want to be famous, they're going to make you infamous, right? So how do I control those things, right? So it's a whole framework, right? Because it's about survival, right? This is about surviving not just the, the physical assaults that everybody tends to focus on, but also the aftermath and different types of aftermath, right? The stuff that really wrecks somebody. You survived the assault and now you're divorced or now your mom or sister won't talk to you because they're terrified of you or whatever. Right. Or you can't function for a week and you got to take a week off work, but you've already used up all of your freaking uh, uh, personal time or whatever. And now it's a week without pay or now you're paying a butt ton of freaking money for a psychologist or whatever because of the trauma or whatever. Right. See, almost nobody thinks about this stuff. OK. I was they did. The teachers I had between him and me until I made it to being his student, right, did. Dr. Moss says I did, right? How do you, how, can you survive, right? I truly believe that 99.7% of people that come to me know how to fight. We're wired for it. Whether they're willing to or whether they'll actually stand in the moment, right? Even if it's cat clawing and kicking and just, fucking caveman going at it, we're wired for that, right? There's, there's mechanisms in our, in our nature, and this is for the blissful people, right? You don't believe that it's a part of your nature. Bullshit, okay? Because if it weren't, you wouldn't have an amygdala that detects danger. You wouldn't have the requisite chemicals that get dropped into the system from your hypothalamus. Your cells wouldn't operate a certain way to change your state for fight, flight, or freeze. Nothing like that, Right? So it is a part of our nature, and you will do something. And then what? 
right? So that's why my teachers always describe this as enlightened self-protection, right? It's about fighting smarter, not harder, if you have to fight at all, right? It's about survival. It's about looking at all these different realms of our lives, right? Livelihood and, and all that, right? <clears throat> because you know, you know how to fight, but can you survive? Survive what, Sensei? I don't know what kind of shit's happening now. Okay? Can you handle stressful things without throwing fuel on the damn fire and making a mountain out of a molehill? I don't care if it's an argument with somebody or getting your kids to do something or backstabbing bullshit at work. Or somebody actually trying to freaking murder your ass. I don't care. I don't care. Okay? Which is why we have Nijitsu, Nimpo, which includes Nimpo Mikyo, but we also have this other stuff. No Zenzai. In the scrolls, there's nothing about wilderness survival. There's nothing about fire building and shelter building. And really, how the hell do you think these people that moved from common everyday society and got away from shit and moved to mountains where... Really? You don't think in ancient Japan people had to light a fire using what we consider to be survival fire lighting methods? You think they just whipped out a fucking Bic lighter? Seriously? Right. How about food? I would just go down to the local Piggly Wiggly, right? Go shopping through the, the stands there, and, oh, that looks good. How much is a uh, – holy shit, pork is that much a pound? Really? Okay? You don't think they had to, like, set up traps and snares and stuff like that and go after boar or fishing or whatever, right? How about navigation? Well, young Yamamoto just typed in the – GPS to uh, Fuji, Mount Fuji, right? Because he was going on a little trek there, right? Yeah. Oh, no, he pulled out his lensatic compass from his days in the military. Oh, no. Oh, shit. No. Shadow stick method and had to be able to read the land and, and navigation by sun and stars. Hmm. Really? Okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's not in the scrolls that they were able to do that we should probably learn if we're going to be like them, right? Okay. Look at the Bonsan Chukai. Okay. Being able to tell time of day by looking into a cat's eyes. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, anyway, right? <clears throat> um, what I think is funny, James, uh, and you can see it too, right? Watching the numbers go up and down, right? Either I made somebody tired or they had to go eat dinner or they weren't allowed to go out and play anymore. Or I said something that fucking triggered somebody, so whatever. I get it. It's amazing to me the people, the number of people that um, are tough guys in this art and can physically fight, but they're so easily triggered and either cave or just lose their shit and start yelling and screaming and name calling and all that, right? When they find themselves in unfamiliar territory or their own beliefs or gaps in their training are challenged. Then you just start yelling and screaming and whatever. Okay. So anyway, um, I, that's what I want to cover today, right? So I'm, I'm just going to leave this question open, right? I don't need an answer. You need to answer it for you. Okay. And, and 
life, again, life is our litmus test. Okay. This is what Kuden's all about, right? Life is our litmus test, right? Okay. So if your bullshit is right, then your life should be, you should be able to be producing the results you want. You should have the level of money you want. You should have the freedom and be able to go and do the things that you want. And maybe not like by, by writing out a single check and just go, right? But I can plan it out. I, I know how long, you know, within the next six months, nine months, whatever, we're going to go, okay? Whatever. Like right now, right? I've got students. I've got, I've got students that are waiting for me to set dates for our 2023 Japan trip because as soon as the dates are set, they can put in for leave and they're going to uh, – you know, give me the money to pop in our safe and hold for them um, so that when it's time for me to start buying airplane tickets and all that kind of stuff, it's there and we can just go. Other ones, right, are like sometimes like I am, right, because I've got so much stuff going on right now. I don't have a whole lot of extra money laying around because it's all going out and, and being invested in stuff that we're doing, right, to grow. So when I set those dates, I may not know where all the money's coming from. What I do know for sure is that everything will be in place and I will be going. Right? I'm as sure of that as I'm sure that I will take my next breath. Yeah, but those are guaranteed, Sensei. No shit. Nothing's guaranteed. But the probability is... <sighs> okay? So if I'm still alive at that point, I'll be on that goddamn airplane and... Taking people to temples and shrines and... All kinds of cool stuff, right? So, anyway, leaving James behind to run it. No, just the cool thing about our online stuff that he's running is James goes to Japan and we take our laptops, set them up. Oh, somebody had a, had a question. Answer that question. Oh, somebody had a problem logging in. There's your login stuff. Where are we going next? Class. Excellent. Ta-da. Right? So, uh, it's, it's all good, right? Um, but if our BS is right... And we haven't completely deluded ourselves, then we should be doing well, right? Um, if we're going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, him, her, he, because our BS, our plans, should include, just like when we do the uh, the yearly uh, GOMA uh, goal setting ceremony, right? So yeah, you have your goal, right? But then we also look at at um, at impediments and things, you know, uh, things that are going to get in the way, right? And we have to look at that from two sides. Externally, what could happen in the world? Who could throw a curveball at us? What could life do? Da 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 da. Right? And we think about those things. And we already get the planning in place as to how, we're, not necessarily how we're going to deal with them, but the commitment that when they pop up, we will handle them, right? And then the harder part is we got to look at us, right? What what could we be doing? What habit patterns do we have that could be getting in the way? Procrastination, laziness, uh, sloth, whatever, right? All this shit that that I know has gotten in the way in the past, if I'm honest with myself, right? And then I think about these things, and I'm going to commit to making this a reality, right? So it's the same, but most people don't plan for those things. Right? They stop at the dreaming stage or the biggest goals that they plan for are things that are already guaranteed. I'm getting this much time off work. I have this much money. That place fits my budget and my time off. We're going there. It's not a goal. I mean, I guess it is, but 
not in the context of this art, it isn't. It's not a goal. Okay? It's an option. Right? It's an option. Just like a staycation. Right? I never understood staycations. Taking time off. What are you doing? Nothing. You know? It's kind of like when I'm sick. Right? If I'm not contagious and whatnot, and I've got, you know, seasonal cold or whatever, right? Um, I go to work. I can be sick in my office at the dojo or here in my home office working on stuff just as much as I could be laying in bed. Except only one of those is going to help me buy groceries, make my car payment, go to Japan, all those kind of things, right? People look for jobs based on sick time, personal time, all this other stuff, right? My wife sells personal time at the end of every year. The other thing she does is she donates personal time. She works at a place where she can donate so many hours of personal time to people that end up in a true emergency situation where they ended up like with a really, really sick kid or whatever, right? And so they burn through their own sick time, their own personal time, and they're still not out of the water yet. They're still not out of hot water. So she donates time, right? Doesn't get paid for it so that somebody else can use it if necessary. We just have a different work ethic, right? Because, you know, we also like what we do, right? Anyway, I don't like everything I do or everything that's required for the business, but that's where I find people like, I've got this one chick named Erin who works at the works at the school and does my books for me, right? Freaking loves it. Makes me want to stick a spoon down my throat and gag myself, right? Can't stand doing the books. I'll do them if I have to, but she's like in there like making everything like work and cross check and, and da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, God bless you. <laughs> wow. Fantastic, right? But that's playing to your strengths as well, right? That's what ninja do. You have a ninja network of people that have skill sets that you don't have to be everything, right? That's one of the also. That's also one of the first lessons I learned as a white belt. Grow a ninja network. Makes somebody powerful. Also makes it true. It's not what you know, but who you know. Because I can expand what I'm able to do by getting other people who know stuff that I don't, but I need to do this big, massive thing. Friggin' A. It's all good. All right. I don't know what James knows, but anyway. So. <laughs> I don't know. I keep him around because he keeps telling me that I'm right. <laughs> He's laughing. I'm laughing. It's not true. Anyway, so I, any questions or anything, James, anything come in? I'm going to, you know what? You've been lurking the entire freaking thing. I'm just going to fire. So no questions, no comments, nothing. It's probably because it's 4th of July, uh, Independence Day weekend. That's probably our biggest, biggest thing. So I'm not going to take anything personally. Not that I do anyway. Right. <laughs> Uh, and people might have been checking in and out because uh, they had a lull in family things or whatever. And that's fine. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, we had that question that came in. Um, do you have that pulled up in front of you? 
that you could read it? Put it in context for everybody? Yes. You can just do a first name on them. We don't need to call people out. It's a really good uh, question, though. All right. Rick sent this question in. Uh, he says, I have listened to all the QDM episodes, and thank you for having provided me with better understanding of the major lineages from which the teachings of the Bujinkan are derived. If I remember correctly, in more than one episode during the first iteration of the podcast with Shidoshi White, you had indicated the word Shihan was an honorific and that, in your view, one should not refer to themselves in this manner. Beginning with the second iteration of the podcast in your newly attained rank, you started introducing yourself as Dai Shihan Miller. They're not your wording, and if I understand you correctly, we share the belief that one cannot be an effective teacher if they cease to be a student. So I perfectly accept that your insight is an evolving one. My question is, what changed in your understanding of the term Shihan between the two iterations of the podcast to where you will now refer to yourself by this title and not just accept being addressed in this manner by others? Nothing. Nothing changed about my understanding or relationship to the word Shihan. Okay? If you go back to those episodes, and you might you just might have missed it, right? Um, the the license, the actual written license that I have from Hatsumi Sensei during those time periods, right, were as a Shidoshi. Okay? Shidoshi. It's a teacher's license. Okay. Shidoshi means teacher of teachers. Some people have translated as teacher of the warrior ways of enlightenment, but shidoshi, both kanji mean teacher, and what they're pointing to is a teacher of teachers, right? So um, I don't want to be and somehow the way, and here, here's here's where this whole shihan thing came from, because people are like, oh, around eight or, eighth or ninth dawn, then you're a shihan, and then you're, really, then what are you at tenth dawn? What are you at, you know, judan simenkyo? What are you, whatever, right? So, uh, Manaka Shihan, who is now Unsui, uh, who is the head of the Jinankan, has been for what, 20 couple years, whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> they were all Shidoshi, right? And I mean, this was a long, long time ago. He was Hatsumi Sensei's right hand man after Sunihisa Tanamura, Hatsumi Sensei's cousin, who became Shoto Tanamura, who runs the Genbukan. After he left the Bujinkan, Manaka Shihan became kind of Hatsumi Sensei's right-hand man, okay? And so um, because at that point he was eighth on, ninth on, something like that, right? Um, but it wasn't because he was eighth or ninth on. What happened was the other Shidoshi, the Japanese Shidoshi, started referring to Manaka as Shihan, Manaka Shihan. Okay, because the kanji that make up the word shihan literally get translated as role model or example, right? So if somebody's being called a shihan as a as a as an indirect, well not an indirect, right? As a direct, right? If so I'm, t I'm talking to you and I say uh, James Shihan, right? Shh, go 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 ask him, right? I'm not just saying go ask James because he knows. Right, in the Japanese mind, I'm escalating James really to a high level. Like, James is cracking with this. 
even if you don't ask him any questions, watch how he does it. Do it that way, right? He's a supreme example kind of thing, right? So as is typical of Western students, they saw that Menaka Shihan, right, was about eighth or ninth dawn. So there became this assumption that about eighth or ninth dawn, then you're not a Shidoshi anymore. You're a Shihan. Okay. I don't give a shit about assumptions. What I care about and what I said in all those earlier iterations is I have a certificate from Hatsumi Sensei, a teacher certificate that identifies me as a Shidoshi. So I'm okay with using that term because I have a license that says so. Shihan is an honorific, right? I'm not using it. And I kind of felt uncomfortable, but I started to understand when other students started using it in my direction. But I wasn't going to call myself Shihan Miller because that's like calling myself role model Miller. Right. That's would you do that in everyday life? Well, not unless you're a narcissist. Right. So um, that's that's where that un, uh, uneasiness came in there. Okay. Now, between Shihan and Dai Shihan, I have a Dai Shihan certificate. I was promoted to the level of Daishihan, Shidoshi, Daishihan. Not an honorific, I have a certificate. It's a rank title. Okay? Therein was my change. And I want to be called this over here, and I'm not going to use that term for myself because it's an honorific. To this one over here, just because it includes the term Shihan doesn't make it something different because in typical Japanese society, there isn't a Dai Shihan. Dai Shihans are within organizations. Okay? And that title means nothing outside of that. So if I were to disengage with the Bujinkan, I would stop using the term Dai Shihan because it doesn't mean anything outside the Bujinkan. Although people would try to use it. Okay? I would probably switch to something like Doshi or Renshi or one of these other more common general terms, Kancho, uh, Kanshi, uh, Hanshi, those kind of things, right? That director, administrator, whatever, right? Um, but the difference between the two, like my, my shifting of the, or the, there was no shifting in my understanding or, problem with being called Shihan or using the term Shihan for myself. I have a problem with that. I mean, I, my problem was it's an honorific, right? So I'm not going to use it, right? And, um, but as far as Dai Shihan goes, I have a written certificate that promoted me to the level of Dai Shihan, which is beyond numbered rank. And in Japanese martial arts, a Dai Shihan is seen at a level as a Soke, not as a Soke. They're not, there will only be one Soke per lineage. But the, the presumption is that a Dai Shihan is at a skill level. I still don't think I'm there. Okay. But a Dai Shihan is supposed to be at a level where they can stand in for the Soke in the Soke's absence. So you see what Hatsumi said they did? He created a level. That extended beyond 
the one soke per lineage because the bujinkan, right, is an amalgamation. It's a it's a synthesis of all nine schools plus 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 plus. A soke's job is to preserve and protect the lineage. But we have this organization that was an assimilar the you know assimilation of these nine schools an amalgamation whatever you want to call it right where you have these people that are skilled in and across the board right so but the, the the answer to your question is twofold one my relationship and perspective on the term shihan has not changed the reason for the use of the term just is the same as the use of the term shidoshi when I was promoted to that, I have a certificate. It's a rank. It's a title. It's not. It's. I mean, it's not that it's not an honorific, but it's a title. It was written out in front of me. There you go. Okay. As a matter of fact, it was a formal ceremony. I was called to the front, in front of everyone, knelt in front of Hatsumi Sensei. A senior student read the certificate. Right. Identifying me. Hatsumi Sensei said some words and then presented it to me. Master to student, master to teacher, whatever. And then went about my business. Right. There were no accolades for sixth on, seventh on, eighth on, ninth on, all these things that people are using. Well, at this level, I'm a shihan. Really? Interesting. Well, that's what everybody else is doing. Well, <laughs> I didn't have the greatest parents in the world, but my parents said, what, what 80, 90% of moms say? If your friends jumped off a roof, would you jump off it too? Right? Just because that's what everybody else is doing doesn't make it right. Okay. So anyway, I don't want to beat, um, you know, beat a dead horse with this or whatever, but uh, just to be clear, my reference and relationship with the honorific Xi'an has not changed. Okay. The fact that this title that I was given license to, just like any other rank, okay, just happens to have that term in it. Right. But Xi'an conventionally is translated as master teacher reason I stayed away from it and saw it as, and was taught that it was an honorific is because of the way it gets translated and the way it's seen. That's role model kind of thing, right? But, I mean, Dai Shihan, I have, a, I have a license. But if you think that I'm walking around the world seeing myself as a great master teacher, which is the literal translation, that would be a level of retardation too. Because, <laughs> yeah, not. Right. Anyway, any other questions, James? No, sir. You have anything to throw out on top of any of this stuff? No. 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 We did joke the other day that we we can't wait until the the next group runs around and starts publishing their podcast or whatever and quoting the same thing or as because um, I'm I restarted a whole new campaign of getting more training videos up on up on YouTube. So uh, go to the, make sure you go to the, the channel and subscribe and, and check those things out. Uh, I have uh, several uh, for uh, uh, long staff that I've already done 
Uh, there's one for just a down and dirty way to tie the belt because people get all caught up in like, oh, you got to do it a certain way. And as long as the freaking thing ends up in the right place. And then I think what I did on the same training was a variation uh, for uh, tying for belt, for sword use because I'm going to be releasing a couple of uh, introductory uh, sword things and all that. And, of course, these things will point to the to the uh, introductory bow course that we have, the sword course. Uh, that kind of stuff, right? But we're going to be doing more and more of these things, and um, uh, they're shorter, right? They're, what, 5 to 15 minutes maybe, right, max. Then we're going to be creating, spinning some shorts off for people with short attention spans and all that kind of stuff, right? But uh, James and I were just laughing the other day that, uh, sure enough, you're going to see a whole rash of people putting up other videos and stuff, um, but unless they know uh, – search engine optimization and all this other strategic stuff that's going on in the background to create these, uh, it's just, it's not going to be the same. Not that they don't know what they're talking about, which is why I lean toward doing Kuden and we do our whiteboard Wednesday and all that, because there's plenty of people out there teaching you how to do the step-by-step for Kata. Fantastic. And you need those. Okay. So learn those. Okay. But the why, the where, the when, the how much, all that, that's eh, all different. Okay, that's all next level, 10x um, stuff. Same thing with this, right? You know, ichimojino kata. Great, 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 great. You know how to use ichimojino kata in a in a uh, in an argument? Do you know how to use ichimojino kata in a sales negotiation? Do you know how to use ichimojino kata um, in a uh, Ichimojino kata in a, oh, let's find a good one here. Oh, uh, in a negotiation with your teen who thinks they know everything and they have uh, oppositional defiant disorder. I'm not going into that now. I just want to know if you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Or hiring and firing if you're a manager or whatever, right? Because they're not just physical combat things. Okay? Do you know how Ichimoji no Kata is tied in with Bo Shuriken throwing? Right? Do you know how? Anyway, it is what it is, right? <clears throat> I hate that phrase. But it is what it is. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I postponed my dinner for all this stuff, so um, I'm going to go. So uh, if um, if you need to follow this stuff now, uh, James has the uh, James has everything moved over from the uh, what was it Modern Ninja Warrior, right? That, yes. that site was getting kind of shaky and whatnot. So um, we were using a theme and, and some other stuff for setting that up that stopped being supported. So it became very difficult to upgrade that and all that. So we shifted everything over to Online Ninja Academy. He moved that stuff over. So if you were used to going to modernninjawarrior.com forward slash kuden dash podcast dash episodes, you're now just going to go. Do we have a redirect set up over there yet? Just in case yes. people go there. Okay, there is one. So just in case you type that in, you're going to end up on onlineninjaacademy.com. Anyway, because we're sneaky ninja bastards. So anyway, you're going to end up over there, and it's uh, onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash. Kudan podcast. 
all one string. Yes. Because he doesn't like minus signs like I do. Right. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay. So anyway, you can go over there. Uh, is the is the form up that people can subscribe to the list so they can get uh, early notification and all that? Is that there? Yes. Okay. So that's there. All the past episodes can be accessed there as well as through Stitcher Radio and Spotify and Apple Podcast and shit. There's a, there's at least a hundred other directories we're on, right? That we know about. That we know about, right? right. So we're fucking everywhere, right? So it's like <laughs> ninja eyes peeking out behind the, the, uh, the bamboo grove or whatever, right? So, <laughs> uh, what else do we have, uh, before I wrap up? Oh, uh, fall camp. Don't forget. Fall camp is, uh, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd, and we're going to look at updating the uh, Ninja no Hachimon, the traditional eight gates that were required in ancient Japan, right? And we're going to make sure that uh, people can apply that in the 21st century when people, generally speaking, are not carrying shuriken, swords, spears, whatever, right? So uh, we want to look at historically... Um, why those things were put in, the technology, right? All the ninja stuff was cutting-edge technology at the time, right? Um, the kotsu, the essential nature, right? Or the gokui sometimes, right? The secret behind it, right? And what that would look like in modern, uh, the modern world, right? Where you live. So if you can make it in for that, that would be freaking fantastic, um, I don't know if going into 2023, we're going to keep doing virtual uh, kind of things, uh, but, but we'll have a virtual option. We do have a virtual option, right, for fall camp. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you'll have that opportunity as well. Um, if you sign up for it, what is it, it's like, uh, 14, uh, 15 to 18 hours of, uh, of training, right? Yeah. So all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and Friday evening. So... And you get the, you get forever access to the recordings. What else? I don't know. Just tons of stuff, right? We've got a bunch of stuff coming, uh, coming out and, uh, we've got a whole bunch of reminders to folks that, uh, uh, one, we're still around and two, these programs, we've got a ton of these freaking programs, right? Um, so is that it? Are we good? And whiteboard Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, whiteboard Wednesday, the topic, for this Wednesday, find my list here. Where the hell is it? Where'd you hide it, James? <laughs> Never. Uh, you didn't do it. So what I just oh uh, this is Sanuch Part Two, right? So the triple striking Part Two, where we're going to be looking at uh, flowing from uh, one fist to another to another, that kind of thing, right? So it's this idea of every time you engage with an attacker, they get they get hit three times or they get uh, touched three times. Right. So if you didn't watch last week's, you can go to the uh, uh, YouTube page at Kage 36 um, and find that that's under our live videos. Uh, that one uh, was the kind of the introductory kind of thing to it. This one is the next step up uh, or five steps up for uh, striking power. Right. So uh, that'll be cool. And then the week after that, uh, again, those following weeks, we're, we're doing a two-part series on the uh, Kotoryu's Kudai Dori right, uh, concept. So uh, what it means and all that kind of stuff. And 
just it's going to dive uh, pretty pretty deep into this stuff, right? So. Um, I don't know. At some point, maybe James, um, we could start with where we are. And now sometimes I, I just get a, an itch that needs to be scratched and I'll, I'll change the schedule, but maybe, um, maybe we could take a look at for those who want it. Um, let me get back over here to the right screen is to, um, make up a schedule with, with the outline of the stuff, even if it's just the heading of what we're covering. Um, mm. and that, that way when, uh, if, if we started uh, an email list for people that want notifications for whiteboard Wednesday, right? Uh, maybe the first time when they sign up on the list or whatever, they can get the current uh, updated uh, schedule, sure. right? For what's uh, what we're covering. So maybe, maybe James is running everything over there for me anyway. So um, if he says no, then oh, sorry, you can't have it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Are you done? I'm done. I saw that uh, Jimmy wrote in. Was he just saying hi? Yes, sir. Hi and happy Fourth of July. Hey, absolutely. Happy Independence Day. Right. Um, I know I sound anal when I do it, but the Independence Day is on the Fourth of July, but the holiday celebration is Independence Day. Just like India has one, the Philippines has one. A lot of countries have an Independence Day that marks a special event. That was this thing, right? So. You know, by extension, I guess I should have started this one off by saying, what's your Independence Day? What was your Independence Day from just going along with the shit or going along with the programming? And some of these lessons really started to seep in here, here, right? Head and heart, right? Lifestyle and all that, that a click occurred and... You are now looking at things differently. You're now operating differently. And it's no longer something you do. It's so much a part of who you are that you can't go back and you would fight and die to not go back. Okay. Well, shit, that was pretty deep to wrap up an Independence Day thing, wasn't it? Anyway, all right, cool. That's all I have. Kind of like when people wish people like a you know, Labor Day, Memorial Day, or whatever, right? Um, and I have my own feelings about why those things were put in, or not Labor uh, Memorial Day, but Labor Day, put in place, right? Um, but <clears throat> what's what's being what's being celebrated? What's being commemorated, right? Okay, that's it. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. So James, thank you very much. If you could stay on after this is done, I'd, I'd appreciate it. And then uh, everybody else, we'll talk to you next Monday on. Uh, what is this? Oh, yeah. Kuden. Talk to you later. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.